Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. That's the way it is in a shop, right? It's just the <laughs> the F-bombs just sort of flow, even if you're doing the best possible work on that car. You are number one tech in that shop or in that town and you know nobody else can do what you do but you're still kind of in that atmosphere that's the language hey everybody david here and welcome to the asog podcast this is part two of our conversation with sean tipping of the automotive diagnostic podcast and former shop owner and now diagnostician adrian lowes I should warn you that there's some explicit language in this episode as Lucas decided to drop a whole mess of F-bombs halfway through, so there's that to look forward to. Before we get started, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you like our content, please consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure that you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. I remember going to a, um, what was it, Chamber of Commerce meeting once and speaking to one of the girls at the Chamber of Commerce meeting, it was one of the girls running it, and she was like, you need to really just sell your accent, you know? And it's like, oh, okay. You'd be in all the videos, you'd be, (laughs) the whole music (laughs) could be like, (laughs) I'm Adrian, I'm your technician, like, you'd be, if they were in the shop or near the shop, communicating with the shop, they'd hear an English uh, accent. The, the the luxury um, dealership up the street, they they made sure that when they hired their receptionist, the receptionist is rude. I mean, she is mean, but <laughs> she has a she is she's awful. She is absolutely awful, but she's got a British accent. And so when you call in and you're like, hey, uh, you know, I need Land Rover wholesale. She, she picks up the phone and she sounds the way you would expect somebody working at a place like that to sound. So it, it works, <laughs> but sure. if, if everybody in your shop, it says crap and I don't remember all of the ones that he might, my, my technicians have pet names for almost everything. Um, and so like, what, what do you do with that? And like, I can't have these guys talking to these customers because they don't, they don't even realize they're doing it. They're like, yeah, this thing's junk, you know, and it's a very common problem. These things fail all the time. They're rolling death traps. I don't know why people even buy them. And they're talking to the customer who just sunk, you know, they just dropped $15,000 buying this used Ford whatever. And we all know they're junk. I it's know it's a junk. Ford. But the customer thinks it's a quality vehicle. They had no idea. You know, well. you're talking to someone who tells people, yeah, your car should last another five, ten years. It's a Range Rover. It's never going to last. I mean, if, listen, will, if you only drive 10 miles a month, it might last five or 10 years. You know, 
it's like that. We, we all know how unreliable Jagland Rovers are, and people are like, "What would you do if it was yours?" Buy a BMW. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't buy a BMW because they're just as bad. But <laughs> something else. <laughs> what are you driving, Adrian? <laughs> Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's much better. <laughs> no, we're a VW, I don't know we're what a I would v- do, but I'm going to get on my Volkswagen over there and go home. <laughs> exactly. We're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a Volkswagen family, me and the wife. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've been really blessed. All of my technicians are really, really well-rounded. They could all speak to a client. I, all, I trust them all with client. We, we've we had people, and as a matter of fact, the same technician I always pick on, he used to come in, if you asked him to talk to a tech, uh, to a client, he'd come in and go, mm. <laughs> I swear to God, like, <laughs> just nod. Mm. I mean, yeah. mm. <laughs> you know, stereotypical. In all honesty, but, when you interview someone, you're not going to employ that guy if you can't, if you right. can see they're not going yeah. to but the problem is panic hiring, right? Yeah, That's the go. problem is we keep panic hiring people because we don't have anybody else in the shops full of work. And it's not even that we're worried about the money. It's that, oh my God, I'm going to have all these upset clients. If I don't get this done, I just want to take care of the clients. I just got to hire somebody. Then we hire somebody and we get stuck with them. Don't ask me how I know, right? Been there, done that. Yeah. And, and, and that's really the point of this episode for me is that eventually we've got to come out of that and we've got to say, how do we connect people with the students leaving Sean's class with a mentor like Adrian and a shop owner like David? How do we do that? Like what, what is I'm the a connection shop owner, point? Don't use me as an example. No, you are not. <laughs> I am a terrible you, shop you really owner. aren't. You can, you can say that all you want. I don't buy it. <laughs> listen, I know better. listen, I don't, I'm going to tell you a quick um, story just so you get a scope of what I deal with on a, on a bait. My, my service advisor walks up to me, goes, I'm missing some invoices and I want to clear off the, the, uh, pending purchase orders out of shopware. And I go, okay, uh, where are they? And he's like, they're probably on your desk. And I go, what? Really? You think so? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and so. I got to about a quarter of my desk, just cleared it off, and I hand him a stack. It was probably two inches tall, and I go, you're probably going to find a few in there. There's some other stuff mixed in there, but uh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, he's like, well, how much of your desk have you cleared off? Uh, about a quarter of my desk. He's like, what the crap? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apparently, they were on my desk. I, I didn't know. I'm a terrible shopper. Hey, don't, don't use me as well, an example. No, you, you're really not that bad. Um, I, I, I will give you credit. You're not that bad. You know, I mean, look, we've got to go back to this for a second just because I have to throw. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to my shop, and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it, nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, Start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Stones at Eric here for a minute. I We're talking about text talking to clients. Did you know that two days ago I had a client pull me aside and say, hey, I don't know if you know this about that guy, but he's from up north. 
if you knew that or not. I'm like, what? He's like, you know you can't trust those people, right? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? He's like, you know, you can hear his accent. I, you just need to watch that one. Man. Okay. Entirely true. Entirely true. <laughs> what would they have said if someone like me was talking to them? <laughs> oh, they would have loved that, right? It, it, you know, it's old farmer, and and you know he could have he could have stood talking to you, and he can understand me, which most people can't. But Eric, with his you know it's New York accent, talking and yeah, yeah, oh dude, it, the the in first, the South that freaks people out, dude. The first day Eric worked for me, <laughs> I came around a corner, and he he's like looking up at me, and he's like, "What the fuck's your fucking problem? I don't fucking get it, man. Why are you looking at me like that? Joking?" <laughs> and I'm like turning red. Lucas, what the crap? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a bullshit session. It's cool. Um, and uh, and Jackals, the other guy that works for us, is looking at me like, oh, God, Lucas is getting ready to lose his top. Eric's over here effing this and bombing this and screwing this and this and that with with a client standing right behind him. Now, we don't do that stuff in the South, y'all. Right? I'm just going to be real with you. They might do that in New York City. We don't do that here. And uh, And she laughed about it and went on, I swear to God. From that point on, every time Eric goes to say, fuck, he starts looking around and he'll, look and he'll open doors and look outside to make sure the client's around. Never fails. Every single time. I, I did something very similar to that when I was working at Firestone and we're doing a gazillion tires because that's what we did at Firestone and they didn't play a very good flat rate there. But I was trying to get a car out and the service manager comes into the back in the shop and he's, I'm not looking at him, but he's asking me, when's this car going to be ready? And I, I said something, you know, really mean. I was like, it'll be done when it's effing done. And uh, I turned around and yeah, the customer's standing right behind him in the shop. <laughs> oh, God dang it. So yeah, tried to have a little wherewithal before you start swearing at your service yeah. advisor but that's i don't Absolutely. know that, i guess that's the way it is in a shop right it's just the yeah. <laughs> the f-bombs just sort of flow even if you're doing the best possible work on that car you are number one tech in that shop or in that town and you know nobody else can do what you do but you're still kind of in that atmosphere with you know the guys i guess it's it's still male it's the blue collar mentality language yeah, it's yeah. Blue yeah but that's what you're yeah. saying, though, Adrian. Aren't, aren't do you, do you think that it needs to move to more a white of a white collar type of you know setting where everybody's wearing just you know clean uniforms and they've got the laptops that aren't it isn't isn't just the the very fact that we're working on greasy things going to you know create problems or is this move to like. <sighs> We're, we're, uh, did you see the the short video of Paul Danner talking about everybody worrying about EVs? And he's like, I don't know why everybody's worried about EVs. Think about how great it's going to be. There won't be any engine oil. There won't be any coolant. Like crap dripping on you. It's going to be gone. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, but there'll still be differential fluids and other bits and pieces. Well, maybe not differential fluids. It depends on how the motors are set up. But uh, there'll still be other fluids and bits and pieces. But uh, I mean... There's got to be some balance. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a very blue-collar, male-orientated world that we work in. So there's always going to be that banter or language or environment. You're not going to stop it. Uh, and I don't think it should be stopped fully. Should people be clean and things be cleaner and everything? Yes, without a doubt. I definitely do. You know? Um, and I think that comes back to why a lot of techs are buying their own tools because they're like, I don't want to pick up the dirty, damaged one. I'll buy my own scan tool so I know it's clean, it's good. When I use it, I know it's going to work and everything else. Dude, you you just nailed something. Um, so we bought this new piece of equipment for the podcast. And last night we did a demo run just to make sure it worked before we, we had to use it in real life, right? Yep. And I sat down and I wanted to make it as organic as possible to make sure we caught anything that might come up with this piece of equipment. And and David's actually got the track, but I just sat down like we were doing a podcast with my technicians. And that was the first comment that came up about buying scan tools. And I think one of the things that, that we talked about is, is that 
that's one of the things that really puts the tech on somewhat of a downhill slide in some ways is they go and they get on the snap-on truck and they spend $10,000, right? And it's not on a truck account. It's on a charge account. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, they're paying 29% interest on $10,000 forever, Mm -hmm. right? And then they need another tool and they just keep buying tools and they, they, they can kind of feel like they're in a pinch. And I asked my guys, I said, you know, do you feel like the shop should buy the scan tools? And both of them said, you know, either shop that I've worked at in the past, they either had one scan tool or they may have had two scan tools and they were junk. They weren't updated. They weren't maintained. I had to always go borrow it. Somebody always had it, right? Or the best guy in the shop had it. I mean, that's a really valid point right there. I, I had never thought about it that way. I mean, I just saw a guy just spent $12,000 on a Snap-on Zeus today. He just bought it today. The tech? Yes. For his own. Why? I don't know. Why is it? And I asked on some of the groups, and it's people want, people say, because other shop equipment gets damaged, or I, it's not there when I need it, or to be honest, if, if the shop ain't going to buy it, but I have to do the job, I have to buy it. You know, because I asked a, a question generically, you know, shop tools, or what we class shop tools, why do people buy their own? You know, and, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah, it's so I can get on with the job quicker, you know, because, I mean, if if you're a flat rate shop, you're paying a guy flat rate, you expect a guy to diagnose that car in a timely fashion. You expect that guy to diagnose the car in a timely fashion. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. You've got one scan tool. Who's missing out? There's shops that have one scan tool? Yeah, there's plenty of shops that have one scan tool. <laughs> I've operated I've, I've worked at uh, a few of those over the years. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was a, a few years before we got our second scan tool. Go ahead, Sean. Um, one of the other reasons that I always wanted to buy my own tools, because I did when I was a tech, like I wanted them to be mine, was because some of the shops that I worked at, I wasn't confident that that's where I was going to stay forever. And if I go somewhere else, well, I can take my tools with me. And, you know... <sighs> That mindset of in the technician perspective might be wrong in the moment. You know, maybe maybe that isn't as bad a shop as they think it is. But I think that kind of adds to a lot of the turnover and a lot of the shop hopping that we see in our industry is because toolboxes have wheels, right? Everybody says yep. that. And because they are my tools, I'm free to go wherever I want. I'm not, you know tied down by that piece of equipment or this enormous amount of equipment that I really like. It's all mine now, to come with me. Now, here's my next question is you've worked at many of these shops yourself, Sean, you know, mm-hmm. where they may have had, uh, you know, an OTC Genesis or something. right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you'll go and you buy yourself, enough? you'll go and buy yourself an Autel or whatever. So you can actually do the job. And you can then take it with you. Now, that job was never going to get be able to get done at that shop unless you had bought hadn't bought that tool. Mm-hmm. What happens in that scenario? Do you still get your fifteen an hour flat rate, or because you've enabled <laughs> the shop to do the job, should you be recompensated for that? Well, I think every technician would say, yes, I, I should be, but whether that happens or not, it's a whole other story, I think. I think it definitely depends on the shop and the owner. They call yeah, the mobile that- guy, and then Sean shows up, and he bails him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because that job was never going to get completed. Well, you know, I, I want to propose a question to you guys, and th- this came up today. You guys know I'm building a new shop, and so – this has meant that there's many, many, many trips to the engineer's office and, and it's just going over the plans. Where do you want your electrical outlets? Draw it here. Right. And, and it's a neat process, but it's time consuming. And so I was talking to one of the mechanical engineers today and he said, Hey, I'm on the board of directors for the local transportation company. And he said, um, we would love to network with you and talk about hybrid training. And I said, okay, explain. He said, well, he said, um, you know, I grew up, he said, I went through automotive class in high school. He said, I love the automotive classes. He said, I've not gotten engaged with this one up here yet, but he said, 
you know, I've always been involved with automobiles. He said, I've always tinkered on my own things. And he said, I've really fallen in love with EVs and hybrid vehicles. And he said, I'm actually on the board for this organization because of my engineering and automotive skills right now. He's working as an engineer right now, making bukus of money. And I'm talking to him and he said, you know, the reason we'd love to network with you is because we found ourselves with a problem. And I said, what's that? He said, well, he said, um, we've got these buses and they're hybrid. Now Cummins has got somebody they'll send up to work on them, but that's very expensive. And our guys have just said, you know what? We'll, we'll do, we'll put tires on it. We'll do basic maintenance. We're good with that. But, and, and, and I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but, but there was definitely indication of a skill shortage. They weren't interested in learning that next technology. It's almost as if they were saying, Hey, I've learned what I'm going to learn. I'm, I'm ready to move on. Right. This is kind of the closing chapter for me. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder, and I'll tell you a little bit of one of the things I'm thinking about with the new shop that, that keeps coming to mind, but I can't help but wonder if we've missed the mentor gap. Does that make sense? We've missed the opportunity to place the new talent, and maybe it's because there's not new talent coming in. Maybe it's because the new talent that's coming in we're not treating properly. I'm sure there's tons of reasons for this, but we've missed a series of opportunities to put a student or a young person with that older, more experienced technician and, and mentor them, guide them and teach them and lead them to becoming a proficient technician. And that has, has created, and, and, and I think there is a skilled trade shortage. I'm not going to call it a tech shortage. I think all skilled trades are suffering right now. Yeah. I mean, there's not a plumber around that's not looking for somebody. There's not an electrician around that's not looking for somebody. Everybody's looking for someone. But is it that we've missed the opportunity to teach the next generation and we say, well, you know, here's the thing, though. They don't really want to learn or they're really hard to teach or I can't find anybody. But we've not really done the work. You know, before we start, I was telling Sean, when we first started going to the advisory council meetings, there might be three or four people that would show up for the advisory council. They're not engaging. They don't want to be involved. They're not putting in the legwork to find those people. What do you guys think about that? Is that the case? Have we missed the mentoring opportunity that takes the knowledge from the guy who was working on the 1970 bus over here at the bus depot? And he says, you know what? I'm not going to teach anybody else. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to move on. He didn't teach his talent to the next generation. His generation didn't teach it to the next one, right? Is is that what's happened? Right. 25 an hour flat rate, no one's going to teach anybody anything. I ain't got time to. Yeah, that's that's right, Don. That's what I was going to say, too, is I think flat rate's a big player in that. And obviously, I can't speak to every single trade that that's the case. Automotive, you know, we know this pretty well. And flat rate, although for a top producer and for a competitive group of techs is really good when it's busy, it does not produce that team environment, somebody helping, uh, nurturing, guiding the younger technicians uh, to learn what they know. It's just, it doesn't benefit you when you're paid. The dealerships are doing that activity that they're getting, um, Apprenticeship programs? You talking about? Yeah, they they'll they'll hire a guy that's you know whatever fifteen bucks an hour, twenty bucks an hour. They're paying the other guy a percentage of. Well, they're 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 giving the guy uh, who's the mentor or whatever uh, a cut of the other tech's work. Well, actually, actually out. Go ahead. It's not quite like that. What they're doing is uh, they're forcing the flat rate technicians to train the train the newer guys. There are a lot of dealerships now running this team pay structure. Yeah. So it forces, they'll put a new guy with a medium experienced guy and then two well experienced guys. Now, the two very experienced guys have got to teach the newer guys how to diagnose, how to do things quicker so that the team can then make the money. So it's like shop socialism. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> Your pay is dependent upon how the team perform. 
Well, yes, he has attack. You know, I wouldn't have liked that. Well, hold very on, much. hold on. Now, <laughs> I, we're we're doing something uh, similar in profit sharing, though, aren't we? When he, if you if you say, <sighs> so. well, if we hit, to a degree. yeah, I mean, like, hey, we're all going to share if we hit these numbers. That's your profit sharing. This. What's that? That's that's your profit sharing. That's not your weekly salary or your weekly pay. Oh, okay. Your weekly pay doesn't depend on, does Bill down there know what he's doing? Good point. Good point. Touche. I got you. Um, well, I've, I've got an idea I want to run by you guys. Um, I'm thinking about what I would like to do with my new shop is we're, you know, we're heavily involved with the apprenticeship program. We've got some opportunities to bring in some really skilled technicians. Already have some really skilled technicians. And what I've found that I really enjoy seeing is I enjoy seeing Terry out here with Bridget working on a vehicle and standing back and saying, no, don't do that like this. Do that like this. Hey, listen, if you turn that tie rod with that clamp on that boot, you're going to rip that new boot. Stop. Don't, you know what I'm saying? The little intricacies, the stupid little things we all learned. And I've enjoyed watching that. I'm really thinking that when we get into the new shop and, and, I keep telling people this and they say, how are you going to make it profitable? There's no way this is going to be profitable. I guess part of me isn't looking at it solely in a profit standpoint. It's that I enjoy seeing these guys teach, but I'm really thinking about working with the school to bring some students in and put them with a specific mentor, someone that they get along with, somebody that they jive with and and can learn from and they're willing to learn from. And have them begin to teach them and mentor them. Both of them are paid, right? They get a good salary for coming in, but make it more of a training opportunity, more of a mentoring opportunity with really good techs to bring in really good students and start to bring them up. And then people ask me, well, what are you going to do once they've been brought up? You don't have that much capacity for technicians. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to try and help them find a job. Maybe they want to own their own shop. Maybe they want to become a service advisor. It's not something I plan on them being here forever. But I think so teaching Lucas, helps us learn. I'm sorry, Sean, go ahead. I think, no, okay. So I feel like you are an outlier as far as the way the average shop is wrong because that's awesome. And I would love to have somebody come into the school and say that. And I would send five guys to them immediately to work with his technicians. It'd be fantastic. But, you know, we don't hear that. So, you know, back to one of your earlier questions is how do we bridge this gap? How do we start changing some of that stuff? Um, that's really the step that we got to take, right? That mentality that you have, I don't know how easy it is to share with other people, but how can we get other shop owners to buy in on something like that? Right. Well, and I mean, you know, here's the thing. And, and, and so for anybody listening, watching these techs take someone young and mentor them. And, and it's not just car stuff. It's life stuff, right? You, you spend eight hours a day with somebody. It turns into life stuff. And, and watching them spend that time and share those experiences because, you know, I, I remember being 18 years old and I was not going to listen to mom and dad, right? It wasn't going to happen. I was rowdy. I will admit that now. I was as rowdy as it gets. But had I had a mentor, and I did in many ways, I would listen to them when I wouldn't listen to my parents. I wouldn't listen to a teacher. I wouldn't listen to an educator. But that mentor could say something, and I was willing to listen to that, right? And I think that there are so many opportunities, A, because your techs are learning, right? I've watched my techs go back to the computer, pull up some some training classes or pull up some information, sit down and say, oh, I see where we went wrong, right? Because when you start teaching somebody, you know, Sean, I know you know this. When you start teaching someone, all of a sudden you learn at a whole different level, and you realize the little yeah, thing you, you missed that you, you would have skipped over. Right. The little thing you would have just skipped over all of a sudden becomes, I actually can't. I said that. Now I've got to figure out why. <laughs> you know, I've got to give an answer <laughs> to this. So I think that, that that creates much of that team environment. It creates that family that is the shop. 
And I, I think we've got to stop focusing solely on profit. Now, David's going to disagree with me on that. I, I think that in a lot of ways, we're so committed to the numbers and the KPIs and the dollars in the shop, and those are important. If the shop's not making money, you can't afford to do that. But I think we got to take a little bit of a step back and realize that we have to continue to improve our industry together. We have to continue to bring more potential talent into our industry, and we have to um, cultivate that, right? And and I think that's part of what's happened is that many of the trades have always said, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I can't go to the school, and I can't train an apprentice. I just need somebody who can come in and do the work. And we've milled through those that could come in and do the work. They're gone now. We're out of people. So when we should have been raising them up and cultivating them and teaching them how to do it, spending that extra hour, you know, my shop coach always tells me, if you want to do more, slow down. If you want to bring more text into the industry, we're going to have to slow down, come away from that profit number maybe a little bit, not focusing on the 25 net. Focus on growing the next generation of technicians that are going to maybe, you know, just two or three people, maybe just in your shop. But I think we have to change our focus. I don't think you're going to see it happen unless you can make find a way to make it profitable. I'm, I, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen purely because people are in business to make money. Uh, however, I love the concept of it. And it's. I think a lot of experienced techs would be willing to do something other than just be a production number. You know, they'd be, they, they would, if they could help, I think they would, you know, if they were, if they could be paid for it, then yeah, they'd help. They would do it. Well, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, you know, just a big dummy. I, I, I look for something more, right. I, I don't want to just come to work just to make money, right. That, I mean, I enjoy making money and I enjoy being able to have money to go do nice things, but in the same respect, I, I need something to live for. Does that make sense? I need, like, I, I need a career. I, I don't want to stop as a technician. I don't want to stop as a service writer. I don't want to stop as an owner. I want to continue to do more. I want potential. I want capacity to be more. Yeah. I don't want to just stop at one thing. Uh, no, and as long as you're making, as long as the shop is making money, actually making profit, you know, it actually enables you to do that. It just right. depends on the amount of profit you want to keep. I, I don't want to keep any of it. If I keep it, I'll spend it. <laughs> I'm going to spend it anyway. Yeah, what are you talking problem. about? <laughs> yeah, you end up I, making a ton more money and you're just like, well, I just blew through an extra $10,000. I have no idea where the hell it went. Oh, I mean, you see my point, though. Is that the same? Do technicians feel the same way? Maybe that's where we're missing this. Maybe we're not giving them. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. We were talking about, and maybe it was Jay, where we were saying, you know, like a career, something more. I don't want to just give my people a, you're going to be a technician. And that's it. Right? And you can't be mm -hmm. a technician forever. Your body wears out. You know, you look one of the reasons. One of the reasons I think that uh, there's it's tough to attract young people to this field right now is that there's not a, a a path or a goal to get to besides technician. That's it. Okay, I go for to school for two years. I'm a tech. That's my job until I can't do it anymore. Right? There's no progression. There's no ultimate goal. There's nobody necessarily yeah. to look up to, to say, I want to achieve that. I'm going to work towards that. This is why I'm doing this. Right. And that, that is a limitation, you know, how much can we offer somebody new in this field? What can you be? And of course there's options. Of course there are things that you can do, but yeah, well, we got to do a good job of presenting that because it, you're right. It is more than just a paycheck, right? I, I was talking yeah. to you before we started recording. When I first started teaching, my first summer break, I was so pumped to have summer off. I haven't had that since a kid. So cool. Well, I was completely bored by like two weeks. Yeah. I'm like, I got to go do something, right? <laughs> I need right. a purpose Absolutely. in my life. And uh, it's what did I end up doing? I did more work, but it's stuff that I enjoyed doing that gave 
you know, gave me purpose. I think most right. people are looking for that, even if they don't realize they are. Right. They don't realize it. They don't know it. They, they, you know, and, and I think as business owners, it's our responsibility to lead and guide our people, right? There's a reason it's called leadership. We have to lead them and, and guide them and help them through life. Right. And I, I have deep conversations with my guys all the time and, and they help me and I help them. Um, but one of the things that, that I continually come up against is, well, what do we do? And, you know, the conversation we had a while back was, well, what if, uh, what if this guy wants to be a, a shop owner? What are you going to do then? I'm going to help him get a shop. (laughs) Right. I don't care. Right. I mean, if, if that's your goal, let's do it. And I think that, that we get so focused on our own goals. Maybe we're not looking at what a career opportunity or what options these guys have available to them. Um, and we're not focusing on building that opportunity, right? For me, I think it's really, really important that we give them the opportunity. We have to build them the opportunity. We have, we have a few responsibilities. And Adrian, maybe it was you that said this the other night. You know, you got to make sure you fill the base. You got to make sure you give them the work to do. You got to make sure that they're paid properly. You got to make sure that you're protecting them, whether that's insurance, things like that. Well, the other thing we've got to add to that is you've got to provide them meaning. You've got to provide them something that makes them feel successful, that makes them successful. Help them find it. Not, and that's not hard to do as a shop. Help them find it. Yeah. Help them find well, it. Exactly. Think, yeah. I agree with David on that. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, we're fixing cars. Right. And there's a ceiling to that. Exactly. You know, I mean, none of us are working for the manufacturers where we can progress from, well, I fixed them now. Now I'm involved in designing or engineering or you, you, there's no progression. It's there is definite ceiling in our trade. Yeah. I, I mean, I, but there's ways to branch I out. I think it. that's I think that's what ends up in, because it, for somebody to come into the field, they have to be fascinated by the trade. They have to be fascinated by the technology. They're they're car nuts. And they, they want to be around vehicles. They want to work on them, whatever. And so how do you take that passion, harness it, have them make money fixing them, but then find other ways for them to find fulfillment in what they chose to do? Because, yeah, I mean, at my shop, the, the max is tech. Like, what, what else can you do? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working at the shop and I'd be happy to sell it to one of my techs if they're willing to, to, to buy it. But, at this point, I haven't taken, uh, I haven't found any takers. So, <laughs> until we find a taker that's willing to buy my shop, um, what, where, where do they go? Well, let's find something else they can do within the shop that the shop can help facilitate, maybe, and can also be profitable. Maybe depends on what it is. Let's find, let's figure out a way for them to branch out using the skills that they've they've attained working on vehicles. And that could just be a, a, a mentorship people, right? program like like what uh, Lucas is outlining. I mean, may, maybe that's what it is. It's, hey, let's let's figure out how to harness your knowledge into training, into courses. Maybe it's YouTube videos. Maybe it's something that you can do to help teach the next generation, even if it is remotely. I think... I mean that that could work. I mean, if you you look at the likes of where well, you had Mario on, and you had Tanner and a few other people. I mean, they all do YouTube videos, and they're not the usual how to replace this. They're educational videos, and as Mario will fully admit, he's doing it to help educate people. You know, he's putting a lot of effort in on his own time for the betterment of everybody. I think that's why Sean's doing the podcast. I mean, I I, I read a comment. Yeah, I I read a comment on, uh, I think it was on Sean's Facebook uh, group. They said that, hey, I'd been listening to a bunch of podcasts, automotive podcasts, but his was the first one where they got into the stuff that he geeks out on. Like the hardcore diag, the, the equipment, the tools, like that's what he, the guy geeks out on. He loves that talking, that kind of talking about that kind of stuff and then he stumbled upon sean's podcast i mean what's the point of the podcast for you sean yeah that that's it that's why i did it was i was i'm really passionate about this stuff 
And I want to share it for anybody else who feels the same way, right? If there's anybody else out there that's looking to better themselves and I can help them in some small way or, or at least fuel a passion for somebody else. Uh, that's, that's why I'm doing it. And that's, that's really it. And I just yeah. took it from there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But you know, I love Sean's podcast, but here, here is actually the bigger picture problem. It's like you may have at most 2% of the nation's tech listening to Sean's podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that'd be like, and that would be a marketing problem, though. I mean, it's just a matter of getting the the word out there. (laughs) But that'll be the top. Yeah, I'm really bad at that stuff. No, no, it's not. I'm not trying to disparage how many like you have your audience, but it's it's a matter of just getting the audience aware of it. I mean, it's just getting the word out there, and I mean, it's a grind. I'm not gonna lie, it's a grind. We've been trying it ourselves, Lucas and I. Growing the audience, growing subscriber count on YouTube, getting more downloads on the on the podcast, putting the stuff out there, and yeah, I mean, at some point you feel like, man, I'm, we're spamming people because they're like, hey, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. But at the same time, somebody is going to stumble upon it that's never heard it before. Yeah, even though the, you know the, the 99 other people have already heard us a thousand times say, hey, listen to the podcast. But that one person, brand new, and that person may tell some people, and it just kind of uh, grows exponentially from there. But you just you never know. So what do you have to do? You have to keep reminding people over and over and over that hey, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. It might help you. You never know. Yeah. But you know, back to the point. Sean's podcast probably getting the top two percent of the technicians listening to it in the nation. You know, probably. which is great. You know, and I guarantee you most of those technicians are some of the, the top technicians, you know. Um, same as with ASOP, you know, you got most of the people on ASOP get it. They absolutely understand it. However, it's the ones that are not there that are the majority of the nation that don't get it are the problem, if you know what that means, if you, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, it's like, like I sent you, that, sent you that thing the other day, David, you know, looking for a technician. Spartanburg, Greenville, Greenville, Spartanburg, you know, South Carolina, $12 an hour. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sorry? This is not. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. Like (laughs) you were saying sorry to the ad. It it was, this was a legit ad. They had typed it all out. They wanted uh, garage experience and AAC certification wasn't necessary, but uh, it was desired and it was a legit ad. Twelve bucks an hour is what the guy uh, um, put put on there as the as the pay, but you know I I yeah, think it's just a I think that's just a, a maybe a training opportunity I don't know there was a, a shop owner in Massachusetts uh, Western Massachusetts but still in Massachusetts is a very expensive state to live in I mean the the houses that we sell here in Kansas for $125,000 go for 600 and 700,000 in Massachusetts. It's insane. Yep. And the guy the guy put a fantastic ad out there. His ad was excellent. I read it and I'm like, "Man, that is a killer ad." But then he screwed up the pay. He got to the to the pay part and he's like, "Hey, 30 to I don't know what you put it was like 30 to 70,000." dollars but the ad read like he was looking for somebody that was going to command a much higher salary. And that that's, that's the disconnect. It's at, maybe it's fear on the, on the uh, shop owners stand from the shop owner standpoint. They're just afraid that, Hey, this ad might actually work. And I might actually have to uh, interview somebody that is going to ask for a hundred thousand dollars a year. What do I do then? Because in my mind, I can't afford a hundred thousand dollars a year. So when they say, uh, yeah, I'm going to need a hundred thousand for me to even consider coming to work for you. What do you do now? The shop owner had a, had a good shop. He had systems and processes in place. I think he was even a Euro guy. He should have been able Mm -hmm. to pay somebody a hundred thousand, especially in the market that he was in. But it, you know, maybe it was a matter of his labor rate just wasn't right or spread wasn't right. And just hiring anybody in Massachusetts, you got to consider all of the extra taxes that are tacked onto it. It's incredibly expensive to carry employees in Massachusetts, but maybe that's what he was worried about, but he wasn't going to attract the talent that he was looking to hire with 
the the ad, but it wasn't because he was, I don't know, ignorant or, or whatever. It was just, uh, um, or, or greedy or like he just wanted to suppress salary. It was just, I, I don't know. He, there was a, there was just a, a, a intellectual disconnect. He understood it, but it, when he typed it out, it, it maybe just didn't quite see it the way a, an A level diagnostician would see that ad as it's almost an insult. It was just, the salary was just way too low. Like, they're not gonna. They're not gonna even consider it when the max pay I think was at seventy thousand. They just no. I mean, so what do you do with that? The the guy wanted to do a, the right thing, but he just didn't know. But he clearly okay. didn't want to do the right thing because he didn't do the right thing. Oh, he changed it. He did change it. Yeah, he went. He went back and changed it. He went oh, back and okay. changed it and jacked, jacked the salary way up. And it, he got a ton of comments. <laughs> as, soon, and he, as soon as he posted and then, it, everybody went, hey, what's up with the pay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and then, you, you know, here's here's kind of where I stand with all of this. Is is it, You mentioned something that, that stood out to me for a long time. And and I've always wondered or, or or thought, is it something with me? Is it something with the fact that I own a shop in the same town? I have tried my best to work with other shops in town. I've tried my best to work with other shops in the state. And a lot of shops have zero interest in going to training, in improving, being part of IGO, being part of anything. I've I've I have offered to pay for an entire shop to go to ASTE multiple times and they refused. No, we, we don't do training. We don't do that. And so I don't know. I wonder, is it me? Is it, is it the fact that they'd look at me as competition? Have I done something? Have I said something? I probably have knowing me, but I guess my point is, is that there's very, very few that truly ever find that hunger to learn that find that hunger to go to the next level. And that's one of the things we talk about with ASOG and, and you always hear me say hunger, 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 like a dummy. It's because that's where I came from is that it was talking to David for 10 or 15 minutes. It was going to ASTE. It was seeing these little resources and implementing one silly little super simple thing that made my life better, Right. I was so stressed out. If I had not met David and found ASOG and found IGO and ASTE, dude, I would have had a heart attack by now. I was planning on selling the shop. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. My stress level was through the roof, right? And it was the small little things that I found that I could implement that made my life better. And I don't mean to say that those who aren't doing that are ignorant. That's not my point. It's just that it seems so foolish to me that you wouldn't want to start improving. And and what I've found is, is that maybe we're just egotistical people and we're not even remotely interested in hearing what another shop owner, another tech, somebody else wants to say or a way that they think we could improve. We already think we know how to do it. I think it's how just like switching vendors. Case? You know, like what what causes you to go from vendor A to vendor B? And I used to have to make sales calls to shops and there, uh, there was a large portion of the shops that you would walk into. They didn't buy anything from you, but what did you, how did you get them to actually buy something from you? There was consistency. You had to show up every single week. So you didn't, you didn't just not show up to their shop to talk to them just because they didn't buy anything from you. And most of the time they would just go, yeah, okay. Uh huh. And you'd set your flyer down and you say, okay, thank you. Call me if you need anything. I'm here to help. And right. maybe after 20 visits, they would throw you a bone and it would be a Friday night at 545. You'd get the phone call and the guy's trying to finish the car and nobody else is open. Nobody else is willing to deliver that part and you'd have to jump all over it. But you kind of knew that going in. It's like, hey, we're, if we're going to capture this guy's business, this is how we're going to do it. There's no other way. And so it, it, that's what it, there, there has to be, there has to be, um, a, a, a an incentive for the shop to start doing something different than what they've done. So you have to go in there and say, Hey, you know, if you've ever run into a difficult vehicle that you haven't been able to diagnose, this is what this training class is for. And then it's just a matter of going in there consistently 
And you oh, look yeah. at an organization like IGO and say you're Mwaka, they, they don't have the staffing. I mean, that's just not what they're designed to do. They'll send out the flyers and they've got the vision show and they've got all that stuff there, but they don't have a recruiter. And that's almost like what they need because most of the people on the board are shop owners. They don't have time. Like, you know, right. they, they always, uh, they, they vote for like treasure. I've, I've been a treasure for other organizations. Like, I mean, they can get time consuming. It's like, and, and you know, you're, you're halfway through your tenure and you're like, man, this sucks. I wish I hadn't signed up for this because you, you're just, you're busy. Everybody's busy. And so, and they don't have the, the staffing to actually send somebody out and say, Hey, I need you to hit 25 shops a day until you find me more members because we want to try to quote unquote help the industry. I mean, it's going to take them months or even years of visiting the same shops over and over and over again before they get people to start hiring. So then it turns into an investment, but that's essentially what you have to do. So who's willing to pony up the money, time and energy to do that. Right. And I, I don't know that there is somebody, is there? Well, that's no. the thing is there's a lot of energy to, to make that happen, right? And this isn't just exclusive to automotive. Uh, you see it all over the place. Uh, what you guys are referring to is, you know, the shops and the people that really need this stuff, the training and the ASOGs and the ways to improve themselves and podcasts and all that stuff, YouTube videos, whatever they're not doing it. And those are the ones that need it the most, right? The top yep. 2% that Adrian was referring to is soaking all this stuff up, whether it be shop owner technicians, they're the ones that are soaking this stuff up. And the ones that really need it the most are not doing it. And, uh, you know, you, you can barely even force them to do it. And that, that happens all over, right? It's with my students. The ones that aren't showing up to class are the ones that need to be there soaking in the information the most, not the A guy who's already top of the class who's there every day. Um, it is a really tough, it's an uphill battle to try to change something right. like that. That's true. It's, it's the passion and the energy by us that'll draw at least some people in, I think. I agree. I agree. I, I think we're doing what we can do. Sean's just said the thing. It's 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 a passion. You got to have a passion for it. Because I mean, I've seen some posts on ASOC people, and some of the questions is just like, really, you know, have you got? You can't Google this and find out instantly. You know, but where do I find training on this? Where do I find training on that? It's literally when I I remember sitting there one evening at my shop going, hmm, I need some BMW training. Where can I get that from? Google it. Oh, what's this company? Okay. Let's see what their course. Oh, they've got a course down in Miami. Let's go to it. Doesn't take any effort, you know, but people are not yeah, but it, willing it took to put you the one in. to actually find that, that training. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that was the that's, that's, like, that's the difference. Yeah, the hunger. Yeah. People yeah. need the passion to, to want to be doing it, you know, or at least have their backs so, up against the wall. I think that's, I, I've been in shops that have, they're getting by. They could be so much more. They could be providing so much more for their staff. Their customers deserve so much more. But they're doing okay. They're not going broke. They're not getting rich. They're doing fine. And so because they're they're doing just fine, they get stuck in this rut. And there's there's no motivation. There's no it's not like what Lucas is talking about, where his back was up against the wall and he had to make a decision either I keep the shop or I bail. I've been there too. I've had my back up against the wall where <laughs> I got to do something or, you know, the state's going to come and take all my stuff or whatever. Right? <laughs> like I've got to, I've been there. And so, you know, so what do you do? Well, those, those people make the decision to either change or get out, but there's so many. It's like the, the shop you were talking about, Adrian, where they were doing a million dollars commendable. Right? It's a big number. A lot of people would desire yeah. to hit that seven figure number. But they're netting four or five percent, and you know, shop doing half that can net the same dollar amount very, very easily without doing nearly as much work. And so, what do you do with those shops that are stuck in that rut, stuck in the middle? I mean, I, I don't know, but my my thing was at that shop, like I mentioned. You know, I'm sitting there, I've got a 
Harbour Freight cart, you know, with a 32-inch monitor on it. And that's my diet cart. I've got a couple of PCs underneath, got PicoScope, you know, all the bits and pieces. And I was willing to train these guys. You know, lunchtime, we'll sit down, I'll talk to you, show you how this works. Or when I'm doing something, come over and have a look, you know? Didn't want to know. Text didn't want to learn. Didn't want to know. Yeah, because they were doing just fine too. <laughs> and, that, yeah, but, and it, it i don't know i i talked about this uh a couple of podcasts ago and i we sent my my whole shop down to a keith perkins class uh that he was putting on on uh, i think it was just the how to use your equipment better or electrical diagnosis i don't even remember what the class was on but man they came back so excited to buy and learn new equipment like I, I have a, a long time tech who could give two craps about scoping things and begrudgingly would drag out my Zeus to hook it up just so I, he would get a capture because I demanded it. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll poke it real quick. But now like today we had a conversation, but he, you know, he's like, yeah, you know what? I got a few minutes. Why don't I just capture some known goods? And he, he pulled out the Pico that he had bought himself. Pulled out his laptop and started pulling, you know, learned how to set the attenuators properly and started capturing known goods. And that would not have happened without him going to that class. It sparked something, is my point. And so, oh, you know, no, you're right. It, it, it does. The right instructor can spark something and send people off. However, the tech's got to be interested in actually improving himself. He was not. I forced him to go. And in fact, I, I don't think it was even a me forcing him to go. His brother wanted to go and he didn't want to be left out. He didn't want to be like, because I don't think I even introduced it to him. I'm like, he's not going to want to go. It's a, it's a four hour drive to the class. It's overnight. I, and there's no chance that he's going to want to drive and, and, and they left, uh, Friday, but the class was on Saturday and then they were driving back Sunday and I didn't give them Monday off. They had Friday off or they had the choice to take Friday off. And then, so they would have Friday off and they were working essentially driving Friday, working Saturday, quote unquote, and then driving back on Sunday. I'm like, no chance this guy's going to want to go. So I introduced it to my other two techs. They jumped all over it, but he felt left out and he, he went because he didn't want to be left out, but that was enough. Now he's interested. Yeah. Now he's into it. <clears throat> yeah. Th that's the yeah, thing I've, is going back to what, Adrian was saying earlier about, you know, we are still just fixing cars, right? It is what it is. If you look at it from a realistic perspective, not everybody can walk into this and make six figures at it. Yes, it's possible. And some people definitely deserve it, but it's not everybody. And so, you know, as a message to, to technicians out there uh, from I'm also a technician is you got to bring your a game every day and you got to be passionate about this stuff. If you want that out of this trade, if you want to make those six figures, I think you've really got to invest in yourself, whether maybe you want to at first or not, but I don't know, once you get down that road and you start learning, you start getting invested in this stuff, it just gets easier and easier. Sean is exactly a hundred percent right. I mean, I've had this conversation in various other discussions, you know, and it's like, yeah, shop owners need to pay techs accordingly, but techs need to step up and be skilled accordingly to get paid properly, you know? Oh, uh, that's a, I think that's a big, I think that's a big topic right there, right? I, I think they have to step up, you know, and, and I, I, I unfortunately see, you know, throughout all these technician interviews is we've asked a lot of that question, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, is we're interviewing the best of the best technicians, right? These guys are really great. They're, they're running in these circles where they're training, they're involved, they're doing lots of really cool stuff. They're the 1% crowd. They're the 2% crowd, the 5% crowd, the ones that are trying, the ones that are training. And, you know, I was talking to David the other night. Look how many shop owners have been burnt. I mean, absolutely burnt by a tech that came in and said, I know all this. I can do all this. I am this, that, and the other. And then he screwed up a car. And the shop owner was there to pick it up. Or he came in and he had this horrible attitude and made everybody look bad. Right? The, the, there's baggage in every relationship. 
right? Just like with a client, you mess up their car three or four times. Guess what? You've built baggage. They're not coming back. You know, in, in your romantic relationships, you piss your wife off enough. Boy, she, she's going to always be pissed off. She ain't going to get over it. <laughs> and so I, I guess my point is, is that if, if you continue to build this baggage and you continue to get hack technician after hack technician in the shop, you know, I, I posted a, a thing the other day, this guy that applied for the job. And I honestly thought the guy was joking until he walked through the door and said, Hey, I, you know, I ain't filling out no application. I'll come work for you. Pay me enough. Man, come on now. So the Florida guy. Yeah. Right. I, I, Absolutely. Jokes on you, I, Adrian. I actually <laughs> had, <laughs> I had one slightly worse than that. It was literally, I was cashing a customer out and talking to him. And uh, the guy had moved down to Florida from Chicago, and he's got an X5. And I've fixed his X5. I'm talking to him. This guy walks in, and he's like, hi, how you doing? I'm like, I'll be with you in just a second, sir. And I'll carry on talking to the guy with the X5. And this guy's like, hey, how you doing, man? I'll be with you in just a second. I'll be with you in just a second. Anyway, the customer turns and says, no, it's, it's, it's all right. You talk to this guy. I'll, you know, I'm good. All right, no problem. So I said, hey, there. He goes, yeah, hey, you might be hiring. I said, really? He said, yeah, my um, friend so-and-so, blah, blah, said you, you might be looking for someone. Okay, yeah, that's a customer one. All right, okay, brilliant. Um, yeah, you got a resume or anything like that? Nope, never knew one in my life. I've got this, 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 all this. I said, okay, uh, I'll tell you what, go on, put, put some notes down a bit of paper, drop it in, I mean, I'll have a look and we'll give you a call. You know, what does that say to you guys? Uh, man, if you ain't got, if you're not willing to invest in yourself any more than that, come on now. No, it says go home, raw resume, bring it back, right? Right. He stood at the counter, said, "You got a piece of paper?" I sort of side looked at him. He was like, "What?" Said, okay, <laughs> so I took a piece of paper out of the printer, handed it to him, handed him a pen, and he starts <laughs> writing. <laughs> I am a good at this. I have to work. And I'm honest to God, I am just looking at this customer with the X5. He's looking at me. We're both trying not to laugh. And I said, oh, okay, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, you got your cell number on there. Yeah, okay, I'll give you a call later. Yeah? Cheers. Thanks very much. All right, mate. And he leaves. I looked at the customer. I was like, did that really just happen? And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, I'm like, this will be the fifth one that to, came in. Do you teach your guys how to how to apply for jobs, Sean? We um we hold we bring somebody in to help them with their resumes to prepare them and at least know here here's what it is, here's what you need to do to get one ready. Um but as far as hiring, um I, I think we talked about it before. We got these dealerships coming in like crazy picking these guys off in the first year, they don't yeah. even make it to their second year of the program mm -hmm. before they're working somewhere. So it's right now for them, they don't have to try too hard <laughs> to get into a job. Which right. is, That's messed up though. I mean, they got to know, they got to know, Hey, at some point this dealership is, and you got to, I don't know, you probably can't tell them that, though, but at some point this dealership is going to screw you. And when they do, <laughs> yep. you're going to need to figure to out to some way to yourself. get into a good shop. Well, and, and like I said, this will be the fifth person to come in and tell me since I've been in business to be the fifth person to come in and tell me I don't do applications. I don't need to do an application. I'm the best tech you'll ever hire. Come on now. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, like you want to talk about professionalism. Look, I can deal with you not tucking your shirt in. Can't deal with you acting like that. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I just, I don't know. I, it just, it drives me nuts. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that it really comes back to that percentage of techs that are actually training and that percentage of owners that are actually training. And, and I, I, I'm concerned that the percentage of techs that are working to improve our industry is smaller than the percentage of the techs that don't give a damn. They're, they're just like the, the, who is it that keeps going around? Uh, uh, the ESO. Somebody keeps posting ESO, evil shop owner. Just like the evil shop owner. <laughs> That's fine. Fans like posting that. Is it, if you're, if all you're worried about is getting a paycheck, you don't care about the client or the quality of work you're putting out. You don't care about the shop. 
you don't care about the best interest of others, you're just as bad as that ESO. Right? If if you're not willing to learn and and be the best of the best in your trade, you're no different. Am I wrong? No, I 100% agree with that. I mean, you're only as good as the effort you put in. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax-deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including a whole bunch of videos we'll be dropping soon. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.